Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Okay, so we're doing something a little different this morning. Um, We are going to have music playing the entire time, but we're also going to have, um, we have two of the guys from La Casa that are graduating, so I want to invite them up. Um, I know I had a microphone somewhere. Did I leave it back there? So, um, thanks, Doobie. So we have, um, we want to, yeah, you're the only ones that didn't catch it. They all knew, but you were so deep. You were so deep into it. So La Casa is um, a house that began in 2013 from Branches, and um, it's a house where there's different cultures, different communities, and we don't cross the lines, and we realize that needs to change. So um, someone from the church bought a place, and then we rent it back from them, and then young men out of college move in there, and they live in the neighborhood. And so there's a quote that we kind of use to guide them, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, this is Christian. He's been there for, well, here, why don't you guys take the mic? Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> so tell them, like, you're not going to tell them about your life and all that. We'll get to that in a second. Life but life. how long have you been in the house? I'm in the house for two years now, okay. yesterday. Two years, one day. Technically. Two years, one day. And then Ving, how long have you been in the house? Just over a year. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to pray over them because they're graduating out, but... Um, it's more than that because we were just going to pray over them and as I thought about it, we have so much to learn from the guys that go through this, what we call the La Casa experience because they become very uncomfortable. Instead of going to another country, they go to a different culture. They're stretched out of their boundaries and they're there just to be present. They're there just to love. And um, so uh, I want to show you a quote that we kind of go by. Um, Stuby, if you go to the next one. So this is a quote from Henry Nowen who is a mentor to many people, but he, in his life, was a professor, he was a speaker, he would do these great projects and events, and he uh, moved out of the country for a period of time, and while he was there, he came to this conclusion that he shares right here. He says, more and more the desire grows in me simply to walk around, greet people, enter their homes, sit on their doorsteps, play ball, throw water, and be known as someone who wants to live with them. I'm going to finish the quote, but that's what the guys at La Casa are supposed to be doing. This is what we are trying to call them to do. It's a privilege to have the time to practice the simple ministry of presence. Still, it's not as simple as it seems. My own desire to be useful, to do something significant, or to be part of some impressive project is so strong that soon my time is taken up by meetings, conferences, study groups, and workshops that prevent me from walking the streets. It's difficult not to have plans, not to organize people around an urgent cause, and not to feel that you are working directly for social progress. But I wonder more and more if the first thing shouldn't be to know people by name, to eat and drink with them, to listen to their stories, and to tell your own, and to let them know with words, handshakes, and hugs that you do not simply like them, 
but truly love them. So this experience that they go through, and they're going to share a little bit about it, we can learn from them because you live in a neighborhood. So you don't need to go somewhere else to change the world. You don't need to go somewhere else to do this ministry of presence. You can do it right where you're at. And we get to learn what that can look like from these guys. So I didn't want to just pray over them and say, hey, glad you're here. But you now can teach us. So to kind of prep a little bit, can each of you try to take a stab at explaining to people that have no idea what La Casa is, where it is, what it is, and what it could look like? We're just explaining La Casa there really quick in a nutshell. In okay, a nutshell. Um, we've got a few of the kiddos from the neighborhood. We've got David, Aaron, and Fabian in the crowd right back here. <laughs> Call them out a little bit. Um, and I want to ask them, do you guys think we did that quote? When we were there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, were at, we were at the pool and the beach, and we played video games till 10.30 last night as a big shebang to close out uh, the night. But we, the, the, it is difficult not to have plans. It is really difficult to make time to be available. And with La Casa and that being a set focus, something we commit to for two, a year at a time, me being two years, um, it's kind of like set in your schedule, like, oh, this is the time I'm going to be available, and we'll see what happens. And in doing that, I was later than I wanted to be here because I had to say goodbyes, and they were really tough. And I've got a neighbor telling me that I'm a really great friend, and another neighbor who's like my grandma, who's uh, I had to say goodbye to, and she made me food, and it was really good. And I brought it here, and then I ate it. And um, that doesn't happen where I grew up. I grew up in, well, I'm from Michigan. And I grew up knowing my neighbors, but never having the comfort of being able just to walk into someone's door, knowing that some families knew that we were mentors to their kids, and they loved it when we took them to the beach. And they trusted us. And it, de it did develop a very special, intimate, loving community where we simply were present with one another. That must mean you did really well. They're clapping. <laughs> so I think about the Apostle Timothy um, with my stay at La Casa. And I often ask myself, I, as a young man, like, what can I do to serve the Lord? You know, that's something that Timothy often dealt with, you know, um, being one of the younger guys among the, like, among the, the Christian missionaries. Uh, but I realized and learned um, that loving your neighbor is something that is not rocket science. Like you don't have to be some guru to do what it is, I mean, to outpour love and, you know, very practical, real things like stopping by for five minutes and having a meaningful conversation that surpasses the, hey, how are you? Good, good, how are you? And um, little things like that with great intention are the things that really show and demonstrate Christ's love. And so, that's something that uh, was instilled in me during my time. So the house, so, so many of might not. Wow. I, I didn't think you were going to get the applause. I thought, <laughs> I thought they were going to hold back on you. Um, the house is in the Capistrano Villas in San Juan. Um, some people would say it's over the tracks. Uh, some people would call it La Zanja. It's near Saddleback Valley Christian School. And it's an it's a apartment, condo that a lot of you help fix up, and it's like a community center or La Casa de Gente. And by the way, just so you know, you know, you hear La Casa, oh, the house. But you guys know that La Casa in that culture means, oh, shack. 
So if we said la casita, it would mean what you think it is. But just so you know, la casa means a little bit more like a shack, <laughs> which it kind of is at times. Sometimes, yeah. Right now it is. Um, but through that experience, also I want to give you freedom. Like, you know, we always bring someone up here to teach, but you guys are teachers because you went through that. So what would you want to leave them with? Like, hey, this is what I want to call you to do. This is what we learned. This is what I want to call you to do. Whether it's in their neighborhoods or as you've been a part of the church, what would you admonish or encourage us and be strong like Timothy and realize that God has is, is, uh, ordained you to share what you've learned? Yeah. Uh, I think the verse I think that's very familiar with all of us is Matthew 28. 20, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. And that go is, in, when it's translated to English, I learned it as a command. But in the Greek, it is as you are going, as you are on your way, do these things. And that is what I learned. I didn't have to do anything extra special. I was living my daily life, and I was following through with my commitments. I had to go and work. I had to come home. I had to park my car. But my neighbor was right across the way. And sometimes there would be a conflict, and I had to move my car because he couldn't get his car in. And even in doing those little conversations and just, you know, either being courteous and some, one, one time it was a little conflicting, you said sorry, but that ended up, over time, we formed a friendship, and over time, there were a lot of friendships that were just in going up to someone saying, hi, how are you, and it's the person who you see every single day that maybe you haven't said to yet. I would encourage that. Uh, it, it went so far. And in, in the Capistrano Villas, we're very close together, and so... It might take a little extra effort, but if you, it's one of those things where you see that person every day, and you both know that you haven't said hi to each other. You both, you, everybody knows. And that it's almost like who's going to make the first move sometimes. Sometimes it's like it's not going to happen. But making the first move is a step out of your comfort zone and can lead to something beautiful. And 99% of the time, you won't regret it. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> you guys didn't hear that. I was under his breath. Take that. <laughs> so I'm supposed to say something wise? No, you don't have to. If you don't feel like it's right there, don't say it. Um, I would encourage everyone in this room to, to truly love people. You have to understand who they are. And that's something that took me a long, long, long time to really understand. What? Why is this person behaving like that? That doesn't make any sense, at least in my paradigm, right? But it takes a lot for me to take a step back, look at the individual for who they are, their background, their Enneagram number. <laughs> Shout out to Kim. And, and realize that you know, a whole different individual is on the other side of the table. And that uh, took a long time for me to understand, but um, it really helps with fostering and continuing your relationships and understanding how the, how the other individuals in your life and your community operate and understand the world. And knowing that is a really good tool to go deeper and deeper with your relationships. So We're going to call Stuvi up because he's going to join us. But while Stuvi's on his way, um, what do you guys got coming next? So that everybody knows, because this is, you guys are moving. Like, your, mm -hmm. things are changing for you. So yeah. uh, Currently, I, my car is totally packed full. Um, I have my two surfboards, my snowboard, and my javelin taped to my roof, or strapped to my roof. So if you see a car with a javelin, that's me. Um, I am going over, I'm going to be staying with my sister, and then I go and work at camp for a week, uh, camp for kids who have incarcerated parents. One of my best friends uh, w went there as a kid, 
and we're super close, and um, that's gonna be a, a great experience. And right after that, I leave uh, with NISA as well on the Around the World semester through Concordia University of Irvine. We are graduate assistants. We went as students, and now we are on the leadership team, and we will be traveling to 10 countries, circumnavigating the globe, and our roles will be mentoring the students. Um, we have certain travel groups and different responsibilities with the different classes. Uh, so we support the professor in his role, and we do a big, the main component really is focused around is mission and service and connecting with missionaries or other nonprofits around the world and supporting them where they're at to kind of see what it's like to do service in these countries. So that'll be until December. I, um, I have just started my first big boy job. It's full time, 40 hours a week. I have uh, a 401k now, so got that going for me. But yeah, I just started. It's a company called Spectrum Brands. We're in Lake Forest, and I love it. And so I'm, I'm adulting. So we're going to um, pray over uh, Christian and Ving. And then we're going to share Stuvi. Because Stuvi's been around, but he's moved in. But we want to pray for these guys first. Um, so if you're close with them and you feel comfortable, we want you to come on up. And Rich, can you come up and lead us in prayer over Christian and Ving as we send them out? Um, and then after that, we'll introduce you to Stuvi, and we'll pray over him as well. <laughs> I, ju I just want to say, though, before we pray, that I've, I've got to know these guys over the past couple of years. They are absolutely amazing men, and um, I consider it a blessing. I'm very grateful for that. So let's pray. Father, um, we give thanks that uh, you brought these men uh, into our lives and to be part of the branches family. We give thanks for the many gifts that uh, you've blessed them with and how they've been able to use those gifts, particularly in the neighborhood of Lasanja and the blessing that they've been to all of the, uh, the people there and especially their ministry to the children there. They've made a lasting, eternal impact, Lord, and they will truly, truly be missed. And now, Lord, we're sending them off to uh, new mission fields. Um, they'll be serving in new ways. I pray, Lord, that you would protect them as they go, that you would continue your good work in them, and, Lord, that they would always, always remain strong in you. Father, we are grateful for these men. We ask that you protect them in the name of your precious Son. Amen. Amen. So we'll keep the La Casa guys up here. Uh, if Daniel's not already up here, come on up. Oh, come on up, dude. <laughs> so Daniel and Stuvi uh, live in the house now. There's usually four guys in there, although we had a period of five this summer. But I uh, went for five, and then these guys graduated, and so we've got these two guys left, and Stuvi's brand new. So Stuvi, you've been around, you've done your thing, but can you please share three things that these people would have no idea about you? Okay. Um, first thing, I suppose, is that um, me and my friends in high school built a solar-powered vehicle out of carbon fiber and then raced it around the Texas Motor Speedway. Um, the second one, let's do, I used to ride horses competitively, uh, cattle ranging. I have owned 14 cats in my life. <laughs> Notice there wasn't a lot of applause for that one. 
Okay, so we're going to stew these in the house, and we're not going to bring you guys all up, because the hope is, is that during his year, you will come up to him all the time. We want these guys, so we used to say, hey, go wherever you want to go to church, but then we said, no, we want you here, because we want them to experience what it's like to be a part of a church, not to attend, but to be a part, to be known and to know, and so, um, you know, we could have everybody come up here and pray over him, but we'd rather see you every day during the week reach out to these guys and embrace them. Um, so, Stuvi, can you come right here? And then I'm going to invite uh, Jason and Topher up. I've asked them to kind of look out for Stuvi, kind of be some Pauls in his life, um, which they're like, wait, what, huh? But <laughs> they're willing. So I'm going to have them pray over Stuvi. His name's Jonathan Stuvi, but no one's ever going to call him Jonathan, so. Um, but you can call him that if you want. And can you guys just lead us in prayer? Stuvi, before we just pray for you, what would you want prayer for? Like, what are you needing prayer and support for from us? Just guidance. Wow, nice and simple. There you go. <laughs> Should be a short prayer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Father God, thanks so much for this ministry of uh, Casa. We pray for Stuvi. We pray for um, your guidance in his ministry and the ministry that he continues on from Christian and Bing and uh, others before him. Pray that you would just make your plans uh, evident. Let them hold them loosely. Um, and I pray that the transition uh, just goes smoothly, that they would find, uh, see if we would find the same people to shake hands with, to smile with, um, to enjoy in that neighborhood, and uh, to just be a light for you. Uh, Lord, just lift up Stuvie. Um, we want you just to bless him in this opportunity and that he just gets a chance to really uh, become imprinted in this community and um, that you also uh, lift up Topher and I in this opportunity just to be mentors um, and that you just uh, guide us all in your name and your son's name we pray amen amen all right so let's take a couple minutes uh, you can meet someone you haven't met you can just sit there you can refill your coffee or you can get out your notepad because you're going to want to fill those notes up with a message. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to give you something to do. <laughs> About to get back together, so if you're ready, grab your Bibles. You're going to want to be in Matthew 13. Oh, 
I didn't realize that when I sent everybody out there, they would really just take off. But that was the first time I tried that approach. Okay, so grab your Bibles, Matthew 13. Um, so I gave you guys a question, and I'm going to give myself that question, some advice that my younger self received that I heard, but I didn't listen to. Um, so there was a, a man uh, that was a huge influence on our lives. He was actually Steph's youth pastor, and he's one of the two people that married us. Um, and actually, the other person was Dana Walling. So I got a bunch of friends from college that are here. Um, they're not here for me. Uh, we're all gathering to try to take some time out to celebrate Wendy, who we went to school with. And although we did stuff for her earlier, um, we want to, um, well, we just still have to process through this. So uh, we're going to lunch together afterwards. Um, so they, they knew one of the guys that married us. The other guy was a, a, a pastor in the area, in San Clemente, actually. And I remember getting to know him, and every year he would take a month off in the summer. And I was doing Young Life at the time, and I'd, he'd tell me about it, and I'd nod at him. And in the back of my mind, the whole time he's talking about this, he said he'd done it for like 20 years. And he's basically saying, you need to do this. You need to take a month off every summer. This is why. And in the back of my mind, I thought, you are such a slacker. Like, really? Like a month? Come on. There's so much to be done. Get to it. And so for years, I ignored this guy. And then I saw all the pastors around me having nervous breakdowns, having affairs, losing their faith. And then I realized why those that were older than me kept saying, you need to do this. If you don't, you will not last. Or the ones that were much older would tell me, I wish, these, these were retired pastors. They said, after I retired, I should have done this. And so we hear something, but we don't always listen to it. And so I really wasn't listening. I was on my own little flow of how life should be. I was, I thought I knew. Um, and so I wanted to bring that up this morning. I want us to talk about what does it mean not to hear, but to listen. Because what's, we all have this hunger to listen to God, to hear from God. And yet, we have to be intentional about that. This time that we take off in the summer that was encouraged, the reason that the teachers aren't here this summer is because they have to take time off. Um, it doesn't really matter the amount of time. It's the focus and why you do it. And if you pull away, maybe you're pulling away to listen to God, maybe whether it's a day, a month, a year, whatever it is, the time that you're pulling away. You have to have a rhythm of that. But maybe you're hearing, but you're not listening. And so I want us to talk about what the difference of that is because we live in a culture that is so crazy that you can be distracted and can be covered up, and we've got to face this head on. Um, we have to be very intentional. If we really want to hear from God, we have to put out effort because it's not that God's not speaking, but we have to be intentional. In fact, you may not know this, but surrounding us in this church, of course, it's a smaller turnout than usual because, well, there's the Ocean Festival and there's all kinds of stuff going on. It's the summer. Um, but a lot of the people here are actually hearing impaired. You didn't probably know that, did you? You probably wouldn't know the people that you talk to all the time and you didn't know that they have a medical issue with their hearing. And the reason you don't know is because they work really hard at listening to you. They will, not only some of them will have devices in their ear, and they're so small now you can't even see them, but they will sit there and they'll just look right into your face. You know how you talk to some people, like, yeah, yeah, and they kind of look around? 
Well, these people that are hearing impaired, they have to work extra hard. And so they're paying close attention. They're watching your body language. They're watching your lips. There's sound all around us. There's, there's stuff to be heard. Because you, as I'm not going to go on to this rant, but we have some, so much information that's all around us, but we can sometimes still not listen. We have to be intentional. Because all of this sound can be like white noise or a distraction. And because we can't listen, and all this sound and all this hearing is going in, because you can't control hearing, by the way. It still happens. Like you're hearing whether you try to or not, right? There's sound all around. Even if you're hearing impaired, even if you're completely deaf, you can see people and there's communication happening. So it's always there, but it doesn't mean you're paying attention to it. And in the same way, it doesn't mean that God isn't speaking, but maybe we're not listening because there's so much going on that we're distracted. So for example, um, I'm borrowing my wife's watch this summer. I'm that much of a chintz that I don't want to go buy it. i got to keep testing it out. So I've been testing it out a few times. And one of the things that I really need on this is the heart rate. So with the lung transplant and everything, um, I'll go out and I'll play tennis. Now, when I say play tennis, that doesn't mean I'm any good at it, but I do it. So I'll go out and play tennis. And when I'm playing, I, I'll keep track of my heart rate. And I've noticed something. When my heart rate gets up to about 150, I start making a lot of mistakes. Because your body starts to focus down just to survival mode. Now, before the lung transplant, I could go higher on my heart rate, but since then, it's lower. So once it starts going over 150, your body just goes, okay, look, we're just trying to survive right now. And so let's just shut some things down, and we're going to become really narrow. Let's focus on the breathing. What is this whole hitting this yellow ball thing about? This is really not important right now. And so everything starts to fall apart in my tennis game when I get to that. And so I have to be very intentional. So if you play tennis against me, I'm going to irritate you to no end. Not because I'm trying to irritate you, but because I need to get oxygen in, and I need to get my heart rate back down. So I'll go, well, let me go get that ball, and I'll slowly, like, walk over. And then in the pros, when they switch sides, they always take a break. Well, when you usually just play with friends, you never take a break. I'm like, you know what? We're switching sides. I'm going to get some water. And I sit down, I pull a full Rafael Nadal, and I'll sit there and take my time just to get my heart rate down. Now think about it. how many mistakes do you make in life because there's so many distractions and you don't pause to try to hear from God. You get so caught up in the flow of things and the same thing happens. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look into God's word because, hey, isn't that where we should go? And see that God says that we will reach a point where we can't hear. So Jesus is going to focus on this and it's in Matthew 13. So if you can, open up there. So as we look here, I want you, in the back of your mind, to be asking yourself this question. Do you need to hear from God? Maybe you want to hear from God. Maybe it's because of your decision-making or some of your fears or your finances or certain relationships. Um, there's all kinds of things. But is it possible that you don't feel like, maybe all those things are together and organized and you feel like they're fine, but maybe you still need to listen to God? Maybe he wants to jump in to interrupt because he needs you to see something. And are you taking the time to bring your heart rate down so that you can hear from him and then listen to him? So in the back of your mind, I want you to think about that. Do you want to put in the work that it's going to take with God 
to listen. Because it's not that he's not speaking. It's that your life might be so full or there might be so many distractions that you can't hear. And we could say, well, nowadays it's really tough. Well, it's always been tough to hear from God. It's always been difficult to hear God's voice. And Jesus, as he's talking here in Matthew 13, reaches all the way back to Isaiah 6, 500, 600 years prior. And Isaiah was told, you need to go and do this. And you're going to go and speak for me, Isaiah. But when you go and tell people, what does it say here? He said, though seeing, the people you're going to share with, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And then Jesus says this about us, about those people, and also about the people at Isaiah's time. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. I really want you to hold on to that phrase, turn, and I would heal them. So Jesus, he's going to jump into the parable of the soils, but you've probably never connected this with the parable of the soils before, have you? If you've ever read the Bible, and some of you haven't, and some of you used to read it a lot, and now you just remember stories, and you don't open it up, but we always need to be in God's word, because that's another way to intentionally listen. And as we're listening, we notice that Jesus connects this time with Isaiah to the parable of the soils, because this seed that he's going to talk about, this parable where he says that seed was being thrown, that's the word of God, the word, right? The word that's coming out, the word that comes out is also meant to be heard, and to be listened to. And so this, this word that's going out is falling into soil, but some of it is never listened to. And why? And so he prefaces it with this, saying your heart, your, your life becomes callous, and it doesn't find a place in. And he even says here, as he's talking about um, uh, parables, he's asked this question, like, why, why do you, Jesus, why are you talking in parables? So right before he jumps into the parable of the soils, he's told a bunch of different parables, and they say, why are you telling these parables? He goes, because when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, well, hold on, let me, let me go back, because that's actually not in this passage. But in between 19 and where we left off there, they say, why do you talk in parables? And he says, the reason I talk in parables is because people aren't listening. And so think about it. When you tell like a, a parable, like this parable of the soils, he, he starts sharing. He says, yeah, this farmer came out and he threw seed and some fell upon a path and the birds came and ate it up. And so they're listening, right? They're like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Why is he talking about farmers? And this other guy, throw, he, he throws the same seed, and it lands in this rocky ground, and something pops up right away, but then the sun hits it, and it just dies. And then he throws some other seed around these thorns or weeds, and something grows, but eventually it gets choked out and it dies. And then some seed he throws onto this good soil, and, and something grows out of it and produces fruit that multiplies by hundreds. And so everybody's sitting there, going, huh? And so the, the disciples are like, why, why are you doing this? Why are you speaking in these riddles? Because to understand them, you've got to really put out effort to understand them. So again, we're getting back to, if you really want to hear from God, you've got to put out effort. Now, notice the things that get in the way, the things that build up our heart rate or distract us from hearing. So I'm going I'm to go through this semi-quickly 
but I want to go through it particularly. So he starts to describe to them, because they couldn't get it, they tried to listen, they couldn't get it, and he says this. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Then he goes on to the next soil. And these next two soils, I think, are very particular. So I want to focus on these because in my time away of listening, these are the two soils that I think represent us most. And so he talks about this other seed. He said, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Maybe you ever heard someone or maybe you said, you know, it's, it, this whole Christianity thing, it's just not working for me. That's because the root hasn't really gone down. This faith that we have is not in an if. It's in a him. It's in a he. God is living. He is three in one. And the Holy Spirit, which is what interacts with us, is a he. So can those people, or can you say, he doesn't work for me? Because when your roots go down and you develop that relationship with God, you can hear from him. But your roots have to go down. You have to be willing to, let a, to, to really invade all of your life. Another way to look at this soil is the culture you live in. And I don't mean just the Western culture. Because the truth is, is the culture that you live in is different than the culture that you live in. It is different than the culture you live in than it's different than the culture you live in because you live in a certain neighborhood, with a certain job, with a certain family. You've grown up a certain way. You have a certain way of looking at things. Another way to say soil, it's like the, it's like the fishbowl that you live in, that you've grown up in and that you're in right now. And so you need to be able to step back and look at that and go, is, is my faith, my walking with Christ, this word that he's speaking to me, that you're drawing me to him, am I letting my roots go deep enough so that I can hear from him? Then there's this seed, which I believe is the most appropriate for us at our time. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, here's the thing about weeds. Weeds don't just sit under the ground, and then all of a sudden, once the plant grows up, the weed goes, whoo, boom, grabs it and pulls it down. Right? Have you ever seen weeds around your house or someone else's house? You just... Next moment, they're there. You don't even know where they came from. But the whole time, they were there. And then maybe they were small, and then all of a sudden, they just start growing. And even as they're growing, you're like, well, the plant's still there. And you don't realize what's happening underneath the soil as it's beginning to choke out the plant. And it's not like the weeds are evil. They're just trying to survive. They're just there. But by their very nature, they're going to choke out what you want to grow there, what's actually going to produce fruit. That's the thing about weeds. They don't produce fruit. There's nothing that's valuable that comes from the weed for us. And so they're just doing their thing. They're neutral. But they're choking out what you want to be produced. And we could stick on the money part here. 
It's part of our culture, but I think it's more the worries of this life. Think about the things that you're worried about. If you were, if we were to hand out and you were to take those little cards and you were to write down all the things you worry about, are those valuable to worry about? Are they valuable to take up the space in your mind and in your heart? Or do they just start to grow around us and we don't even recognize they're there anymore, but they're pulling away, us away from that which really matters? The worries of the temporary is getting in the way of that which is eternal, that which is going to last, that which is important. But there's some seed that falls on good soil. And this refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. They listen to it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 100, 60, or 30 times what was sown. So we can get so caught up in the things that are getting in the way of it growing instead of us putting our attention on the fact that God intends for his word to be spoken, for us to go through the effort to listen, and then he is going to produce out of our lives. That should be what encourages us. That should be the joy that pushes us forward to put all this work, because this is work. This good soil, once you have good soil, it just doesn't stay good forever. You know what I mean? Like, if you ever had, like, so we, we are always trying to garden. And I've shared these gardening stories with you before. But we had this amazing soil where, like, we had tomatoes blowing up and all these things. And uh, then my dogs destroyed it. Then I got sick. And that good soil is no longer good. Um, stuff has grown there. There's the irrigation system is all broken up. So we've been trying to fix it. So I, I made my boys help me. Okay, let's rephrase that. I watched them as they moved tons of dirt from my truck, and then they moved all of this uh, mulch to try to put it down. And one of my boys, as we're doing this, goes, I don't even know why we're doing this. We've done this like twice, and nothing ever happens. So he didn't want to try. He's like, look, the good soil is no longer good. Why even bother? You ever felt like that? You ever felt that about your life? And yet, I can look at this box, these boxes, and I know what it can look like. Do you know what God can do with your life? Do you know that God has a plan to produce from your life to change the people around you, to love him and to love others, and to produce amazing change? That's what should be hope. We shouldn't be going, oh, I know, I got these worries, and I got this, and oh, I'm horrible. Don't even think about that stuff. Keep your eyes focused on the fruit the fruit that needs to come from it. When we think about our church, this is the verse that we chose to name us because this is what we're about. When we talk about inspiring people to embrace Jesus and to embrace each other, it's another way to say this. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. When he throws out a word like, if you remain in me, or some of your translations will say, abide in me, and we use the word embrace, it means to just cling so hard to Christ, to abide in him, to put all of our effort, to do whatever it takes so that we can hear from him, 
to become like him so that he can produce the fruit. Because that's the beauty here. You are not required to produce the fruit. You need to know that. So if you look at your life and you're like, oh, I should be doing more. All you have to do is stay close to him. And if you're going to stay close to him, then you're going to stay close to other believers. Because the other believers are staying close to him. So by proxy, by staying close with Christ, you're going to stay close with others. Same thing happens in a marriage, right? The way it's supposed to work is you need to have two people that are both seeking Christ. And so as they're focused on that relationship, they're going to grow closer to him together. And as the body of Christ, as we're clinging to him, we're going to grow closer to those that are also clinging to him. And as we do that, it doesn't say that we will be the one that produces the fruit. By nature, the vine produces the fruit through the branches. All we have to do is stay close to him. So I have tons of examples that I'm going to give, but I'm not going to do that this Sunday. Because the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, do you really want to hear from God? It's nice to say, well, I want to hear from God because you want something done for you. But the more that you know God, the more that you hear from him, you understand the relationship. There's a holiness to that. And when we listen to God, that necessitates us obeying. When you truly listen to him, not just hear, because Romans 1 says that all around us is evidence of God. God is always speaking. He's speaking in nature. He's speaking through us. He's speaking all the time. But when you listen, not just hear, but when you listen, then you get to see that beauty and that holiness, and you can't help but obey because you know him more and more. And as you know him and you draw close to him, do you really want to obey him? That's why you have to ask the question, do I really want to do this? Because it sounds nice, like I got this big decision, I want to hear from God. You know what, I've got this relationship, should I keep going or should I not? Or hey, I've got this new endeavor and I really want God to go with me. When you hear from God, you're not like, hey God, I need you to come with me. You're like, whoa, okay, where do you want me to go? That's the difference. So we need to ask ourselves, are you willing to change? Because when God calls you to himself, he is going to mess up your life. But he's going to give you a beautiful life, one that produces fruit. So in my time of listening, when I followed the Corey model that I mocked him for, God has made it really clear to me and to Steph that Branches is reaching a time of change. I don't think this is a shock for any of us because many of us have felt that coming. I, every time I say that, people go, wait, are you leaving? Are you going? No. If God calls me out, we're gone because he's calling us. But if he's going to call us here, we don't go anywhere unless he calls us out. So that's not the change I'm talking about. But over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about that. And on August 11th, we want everyone that calls branches home. Because you know how this works, right? Like people in our culture, they don't go to church anymore. And yet, when we have like special Sundays, whether it be Easter, Christmas, or something else, next thing you know, there's 250 people here. And you're like, whoa, hey, everyone. It's not like there's all these new people. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's you again. You know, it's like our family. It's just they've just been on permanent vacation or something. And so to have everyone here at one time, we want that to happen on August 11th. So like treat it like Easter. Now, if you're already on your way to Idaho, or if you're already on your way to Hawaii, or you're going to be in the Antarctic, yeah, what are you going to do? But if there's any way that you can be here, we want everyone here as we pray and wrestle with what God may be calling to us as a community of faith. Um, this next week, um, one of my mentors who's spoken here before, Gary Ennis, he's going to be teaching us. 
because he's been a pastor for years. He's been overseeing these churches, not only his church for over 30 years, but also he's been overseeing these other Methodist churches around the world. And so we want to listen to someone that's gone through this and listen from their wisdom as we go, okay, what is change going to look like for us? What is it going to look like, God, for us to be who you want us to be in this soil of the world at this time? We want to listen to you, Lord. So give us ears to hear and give us eyes to see. So let me pray for us. And during uh, this time as we have the band come up, as always, these, these are prayers, and they're meant for us to approach God to pray. And pray involves speaking and hearing with the intention to listen. So if you're able or willing, we'd ask you to stand up. If it's easier for you to, to worship and pray and listen, sitting down and do that. But we want you to use this time specifically for that. And part of worship is the offering. Now, if you're visiting, this isn't part of, this isn't for you. Um, it's for us that call branches our community of faith. So that will be, it's all part of worship. It's not like, hey, that's not worship, this is worship. It's all part of it. We offer up our hearts, our time, our talent, our treasure, everything back to him. So can you uh, stand with me, and I'm going to pray, and then we'll let uh, Tyler lead us. Father, we surrender, and we want to hear from you. But help us to do what it takes to clear things out so that we can truly listen to you. And we know that you'll give us the courage to follow. So during this season, as we uh, approach you to hear, Lord, show us how to do that. As I try to teach, as Gary tries to teach, to share these methods and, and uh, ways, just teach us to pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray for the offering real quick, too. <clears throat> Lord, as the offering goes around, I ask that you would give us wisdom as a church, how to use the, um, the resources you've given us to bless others. And uh, we thank you for the opportunity to do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. My name's Janet. If you don't know me, I'm Russ's wife. You probably all know him. Um, he was supposed to close today, but I kind of looked over at him and said, can I close? <laughs> because my sweet husband is one of those that Boogie talked about in the beginning that's hard of hearing. Um, and it was interesting to me. It was years, I mean years, like three at least, that I would say, you can't hear. Please, <laughs> go see somebody. You can't hear me. And he would say, I can hear just fine. I don't have any trouble at all. And he seriously, seriously thought that was true. And after a good three years of convincing him that he couldn't hear, or was losing his hearing, he could hear, but couldn't hear me most of the time. <laughs> I don't know if that was, you know. <laughs> Anyhow, I finally convinced him to go and get his hearing checked. And it was interesting to me because the doctor said, you know, he showed him on his graph where his hearing loss was and how great it was. And he would say, but I think I can hear just fine. And he goes, no, what has happened is your hearing has 
gone so slowly losing it for so long that you have learned to read people's lips and you didn't even know it. So you feel like you can hear fine because you're reading their lips, but you haven't noticed that your hearing has really gone bad. And I think when Boogie was talking, I was thinking that's so much like um, our world and our Christian life. And there's so much noise and cell phones and our world just keeps getting faster and faster and noisier and noisier that um, I know for me, I, I don't even realize it anymore. It, it's so slow that it happens that you don't realize that you're not listening anymore and that you're not hearing God anymore and you're not hearing him because you're not taking the time to listen because everything is taken up that time. So um, on the, the last uh, verse that Boogie put up for branches and being with, attached to the vine, um, we can't grow fruit if we're not attached to the vine. And I know I feel a lot of times I'm not growing any fruit. And it's because I'm not spending the time that I need to with the Lord. Um, so it's just my encouragement to you guys to just realize um, you know, if it's a slow course that you've just not spent time with him and not even noticed it, to just maybe examine that time and spend some time with him. So thank you, and have a great Sunday. If you have a little extra time, pick up the chairs, help fold them up, and your kids too. So <laughs> have a good day.